Welcome to the Vitality Coach Podcast with the Mojo Maker and host Nikki Fogden Moore, the Vitality Expert, dedicated to helping you be the CEO of your business and your life with special industry and life leading guests, top tips on how you can create that magical blend of healthy, wealthy, and wise for CEOs, entrepreneurs, founders, and people who do things with their life. Hi guys, and welcome back to The Vitality Show. I'm your host, Nikki Fogdemore. And well, we have a spectacular view today, but also a very spectacular guest. So Mark Trilson, welcome to The Vitality Coach Show. Thank you very much, Nikki. I think you're losing your podcast and vlog virginity today. Is that correct? I can't wait. I've been watching and listening to you for a long time, and this is the first time I've actually come and had a speak. So yes, I'm popping my virginity today. Yeah, exactly. So, well, welcome to the show. I think one of the most important things, and I'm, I'm really grateful that you've carved out some time for me today, Mark, is there's a couple of things we want to talk about. So we're probably going to do two episodes together, but on the show today, I want to talk to you a little bit about sharing your story and known and unspoken elements, being a man of leadership and having to kind of reboot your whole mental hard drive, your whole emotional, physical and spiritual hard drive when you went through some really tough times. So... For everyone listening that's not watching this, if you could give us your two-minute elevator pitch about a little bit about who you are and what you do, I think it would be really great for the audience just to have your summary of brand and mark. Beautiful. Thank you. Well, as this is the first time, it could be a little bit rough. but So it's uh, Mark Trulson. I uh, love building disruptive capabilities with organizations. I had a, a very successful career for probably about 20 years with some of the biggest corporates in Australia. Loved... Uh, just coming up and doing some amazing things with them, uh, coming up with new innovations and new products. But probably what really pumped me up more than anything was just igniting the passion for the employees that I worked with and seeing what amazing things they could do. And what give us a little bit about those companies that you worked with because there's some big heavy hitters in the industries. Yeah, so I mean probably the, the one that I spent most of my time with was Foster's, uh, whether it be in the guise of CEB or, or a global business like Foster's. And I was in the marketing department and the innovation department and just loved coming out with new products and seeing uh, employees do some amazing things. And you've had a history of developing marketing strategy, building teams, creating leadership from within, working from everyone that was stacking the trucks to going out with the distributors and being in retail. And then all of a sudden, while you're on this high, you know, life threw you a little bit of a curveball. And that's kind of what our first episode is to, to talk about your story today and the lessons that you learn and what real support teamwork mentality and the relationships that you build across time as a man in leadership and how that helped you kind of find your new self, I guess. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, six years ago after having that successful career, uh, I decided to start my own consultancy uh, to help other organisations sort of build their disruptive capability. And probably at that time, you know, everything for me was fantastic and I was flying. Out of left field, my marriage uh, dissolved uh, and my wife decided that uh, it was no longer for her, and uh, suddenly my dreams became different. I became a solo dad with uh, three kids, and the thought of uh, building disruptive capabilities for organisation probably went down quite a bit. Yeah, your priorities got a reshift for a second there. Suddenly I had to become uh, the dad that I should have always been, and my big focus was on the kids, and uh, it was really difficult to keep focus on, on having a career you know, building a consultancy, 
and also being a fantastic dad. So, so, so let's pause on that a little bit because I, I think I want to title this whole first episode that we do together the collateral damage of success. And mm-hmm. I think that most of the men that I work with in private coaching, they're in their second round of marriages. They've kind of realized and they've learned the hard way. So the, one of the things that we can do in today's show is help any of you that are listening or watching today that are building your businesses, that fulfillment isn't just your financial bottom line. It's remembering that your family, your personal well-being has to be part of that business plan as well, right? No, no, totally. And what was fascinating, uh, when I worked in corporate, all the structures were in place. So, you know, I was probably the workaholic, loved going to work, loved getting people excited at work, uh, and I was sort of the general manager at work. Uh, my wife happily had the title of general manager at home, and our roles were uh, very clearly sort of defined. When I decided to get out in the consultancy and build my own consultancy, that's where the roles became a bit blurred. And, and if I look back um, without trying to get that clarity between what I was doing and what my wife was doing, I think that was probably the genesis of our destruction from a relationship point of view. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting. So whether or not you're a founder or an entrepreneur, but often when people go into more senior leadership positions inside organisations, they lose sense of where of having to be responsible at work. And it's just, I'll just stay late to do that deal. I'll just go and I've got to fly to LA or to Hong Kong to close that. So there's a lot of emphasis on performance. And most people say, well, I want to do this because I want to provide for my family. But at the end of the day, your personal well-being, your family seem to be last on the list. So what would you say happened to you when, you know, let's come back to that six years ago and it all fell apart? And I remember you telling a story of lying on the sofa and one of your mates, I think in New Zealand called, or somewhere from, from Foster's or something, was like, dude, you know, you had to get that reach out call. What was the pivotal point for you to go, I need to, like, reboot myself? No, I think uh, for me... That was just the starting point. And then, you know, losing your own identity and your sense of purpose sort of triggered off a number of different events. From my personal life, I met someone who was diagnosed with brain cancer. I got into a situation where she had a a situation with her ex that caused lots of drama. So drama sort of filled my life. And before I knew it, I was facing self-destruction. So not only did I lose my identity, not only was I not understanding what work meant for me, my relationship from a personal point of view was suffering, and I couldn't pick myself up from that sofa. And, you know, if it wasn't for my brother who disrupted my pattern at that time, you know, I may still have been suffering from depression, from anxiety for a long, long time. But he certainly uh, woke me up. He got a lot of people to surround me with love. One of my friends from uh, New York flew out for a week, and I said, "Mate, I don't want you to. I don't want you to come out. You know, you've, you've got a high, you've got a massive job in New York to do." And he said, "No, I just." I said, "Look, I'll be useless. I don't know if I'll be able to speak to you." But he uh, came out to New York, and he just sat with me for a week. And, and I think that, with my brother, with my parents, with my kids, some close friends, really just gave me the, the self belief again that I could, you know, reboot yeah. and try to emulate what I did in the corporate sense, but for myself and for my kids. So I think it's a really interesting point that you've just touched on if we're going to summarise that first part of you, which is all the structure and the functionality that you had in corporate was kind of everyone knew what to do. Mm -hmm. Then you went into an entrepreneurial element, you know, your world was turned upside down and you just lost your GPS. Your sense of purpose had gone, 
There was no rule book or playbook for what to do. But actually, we have the ability to recreate the script, right? It was just the need for a fresh perspective. And that's one of the interesting things we learn, and now you're able to do that with corporates, is say you you have the ability to be in the driver's seat. You absolutely do not need to be defined by what society says you should and can do. So... Being able to accept help seems to be one of the biggest challenges for a lot of men in leadership that I work with. A lot of entrepreneurs and venture capital companies are looking for founders with sustainable mindsets. So it's all very well saying, are you okay? And the person says no. So as a friend, you just turn up anyway. You don't have to solve it. You just have to be there. No, and that was, you know, like I said, another friend, a dear friend of mine who's a CEO of a a big company, he makes sure he he came by my house at 6 o'clock every morning just to get me out of bed so we could have a breakfast, so we could talk, you know. So he had all these big things happening in his business world, but he had took the time to make sure that the little things that I needed to do to get some momentum uh, were in place. So, yeah. you know, in corporate, you, you, you can't do it without, you know, reaching out across the silos of your business um, if you want success to occur. And it's the same with uh, your personal life. Uh, if you don't have those support mechanisms in play, if you don't have those internal structures... Uh, that will help you, it's, it's very hard to, to get on with the doing. Well, I always say you have to run to be a CEO of your business and your life. And one of the things is we don't nurture our personal relationships like we do our business relationships, but we have to go hand in hand. And I had a breakfast this morning with a great founder and he was like, yeah, you know, balance of home life and work is just not going to happen. I said, that's a complete myth. I said, really, you have to, if you want that fulfilling relationship, if you want your kids to be happy and you want a happy wife who's also successful, then you put the same amount of care and attention into that part of the relationship as you would do with your business relationships and it will blossom totally. it's the same thing with friendships with men like we talked about this before men talk side by side women like to talk face to face i'm sure there's a blend but generally speaking as guys just go and hang out go and arrange things um you know pick up the phone to people you used to work with and i think there's this transcendence because of social media now and there's a war between people, and you've just got to be together. You've got to make it happen. Oh, without a doubt. And I, and I'm, but I think that with men, we're not used to communicating like I suppose women do. Be fascinated to know the the real difference. But I do know that with my close friendships, you know, we go really deep, and we don't give each other the the benefit of being able to you know, walk away from the depths yeah. of the conversations required. So I think you know that vulnerability is something that's in vogue at the moment, but. I think in any relationship, any friendship, you know, to have that vulnerability allows the true conversations to come to, to the fore. So if you could give old Mark a note from future Mark, which is sitting with me here now, and once again, you know, I get goosebumps because I just love being around such remarkable people and like yourself. I can't wait for you to come and be a speaker at my dude retreat too. Can't wait, dude retreat. Yep. Um, you know, bros and beers will be yeah. the evening session as well, but... I think what would you, if you were to give yourself three things, so for me I would say, you know, always have hope, always accept help and always be honest with yourself are three things that are really important when you're trying to kind of go from vulnerable to accountable. But if you look back now and to anyone listening on this that's making the transition, that's taking a leap of faith, what advice, what three nuggets would you give people that that say, I've learned this the hard way, here's here's some tips, some wise words of wisdom? Well, I think uh, one thing that I, I found really easy I had my whole life because I'm a, I'm a romantic at heart, is that I always dream or dare big. And, and I think that was in my corporate life. And I think I'm always going to dare to dream and do something big. But I think that some of the, the two elements that I've always missed is how do you design what you need to do mm-hmm. um, to make that work? So in the corporate sense, I, that was okay because I had those structures. 
So I could come up with a big vision and I can inspire people and then people would design the way it should be executed and then there was a team to execute it. Yeah. Um, but when you're doing it for yourself, you can't forget that, that you've got to find ways of getting those structures to be put in place. So you do have to keep dreaming and daring. Um, you have to have that confidence within yourself. But you, you do have to design a way that, that suits you because, you know, you can watch Tony Robbins do something that's been very different to the way Brown Brown does it, very different to what other people do it. So you've got to design what's true to yourself. Love that. And be true to you. And probably my big word for this year, and it's a word that I know people who know me are going to laugh at, is discipline. Um, I love that word. <laughs> I, I, I work central. <laughs> I, uh, it's a better word foreign to me. So uh, yeah. discipline is my uh, word for the year, and that's all about the doing. So right. not, not just dreaming and talking, but just getting shit done. Yeah, so. GSD. And I think that's great. I think without, you know, you can dream and you can deploy, but if you don't have the discipline to have an activation plan, and this is the thing you do need, a plan of attack. Your goals are just a nice idea, but it's the how you're going to do things and the why that's really important. So my three things are, is whatever you want to do, does it resonate with you? Like, would you fight me for it? Like, I would fight. For, like, the stuff that I do daily with my clients, I would fight people for it. Like, I want yeah. to have big discussions about it. I'm interested in it because I'm passionate about it. The second thing is, if you do want to make a change, is that change relevant to you? So be inspired by everyone else out there, but really use your own GPS and think, is what you're creating relevant to you or is it the idea of what you like? And I think that honesty with yourself creates a very, very strong compass when you go to activate things. And the third thing is in real time. So little steps along the way, dream big, but know how to shape it back. And the art of discipline is the 90-day plan, is getting your dream team in place, is having vulnerable discussions and you don't have to know everything. So if you are stuck and you're feeling, you're having an on-the-sofa moment mentally, physically, or a relationship or at work, remember that, you can just ask questions. You don't have to know it all, but you have to ask. Natalia, I've got a friend who every quarter wants me to sit down with him and show you what I'm going to do for the next quarter. He's a very successful businessman. And I've got another friend who's uh, very, very successful, and he rings me up every Monday morning to make sure that my week is planned out. So it's a winning I, week. <laughs> so I never thought that would happen with me, but yeah. uh, discipline's always been my weakness. So. And, and I'm sure a lot of people, just before we sign off, thinking, well, it's all right for Mark. He knows all these really amazing CEOs and incredible people and friends in New York and high places. But actually, people are a lot closer than you think. Mm. You just have to be ready to let the people walk into your life and to have those mentors and, and, and say, well, that's really interesting. So what, how do you think someone listening to the show could go about asking people that they admire or friends that are experienced for that consistent help. And you have to show up and be there for them, Yeah, right? You uh, have to be prepared to do the work. And I think to do the work but also be there for them. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of my friends have helped out, but the commonality with that is they've said, you know, even the time when we were 15 or 20 or 30, you know, I was there for moments for them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it's really crucial that it's a two-way thing. Yeah. Okay. So reciprocity, a two-way street. You do not have to worry about being vulnerable, but you definitely should be accountable for where your life is going. Every single person goes through what I call the DNA strand, the expansion of things in life and the contraction where you have to kind of move through some uncomfortable areas. And Mark, you are incredible soul light for lots of people doing that. And honestly, as well, for men in leadership, it's just about knowing that it's not just the structures at work, it's the structures at home, Definitely. the structures around your friends, the structures around your well-being. I'll be checking your little fitness plans on your display. <laughs> and tell us, what are you? where can people find you? So I know that people are going to want to know more about what you do and your disruptiveness in the workplace. So tell us a little bit. It's MarkTrilson.com. Definitely. I've finally got a website after all these years of doing. So 
I was like a, a mechanic uh, who never worked in his car. So I, I helped uh, organisations come up with their brand story. I finally got to mine. So MarkTrilson.com, uh, definitely I'm, I'm on LinkedIn and all the usual places in a social media sense. So I'm always willing to reach out and have a chat. And we'll make sure that we put all those uh, links for Mark on the show notes as well with Vitality Coach. That's vitalitycoach.com.au. You can hop onto the podcast or the blog and I'll be popping Mark up there as a feature on our Influencer Series. And Mark, we were just chatting before we started filming about a tribe within a tribe. I call it the 1% Club. When you can have a free chat and you are like-minded and you're driven for excellence and that means thinking outside the box. So like how you approach your work, how I approach your work. And I think it's really great to form a resilient group of people that are willing to think differently and challenge each other. Well, and that's certainly how you are in my in my brain, with my team. So thank you for being part of my dream team as well. No worries. Thank you very much. Yeah. Loved it. So more guys on the show, The Vitality Coach is free on iTunes. Mark and I would love your review on this episode. As always, you can hop onto iTunes and just click make a review. Please make it a positive one. <laughs> and if you don't, we've got some sound issues. You know I'd always love to hear about everything. You can email me on nikki at thevitalitycoach.com.au. Thank you to Mark Trulson for being on the show. We talk about collateral damage, vulnerability, and how to be a leader in business and in life. Until next time, guys, we stay healthy, wealthy, and wise. Thanks for tuning in. As always, we love your review on iTunes or jump online to thevitalitycoach.com.au for more from Nikki to sign up for the Monday Mojo and the Vitality Coach TV on YouTube.